This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Tina Pugh. Thanks, Sid. My guest is Ishik Abla, a former Muslim. I first met her a couple months ago when she came here to interview Sid, and we were all struck with the fire of God on her life and the passion that she carries to see what God did in her life in the lives of others. And I have actually never seen someone with more contagious joy and passion for Jesus. And I'm not the only one who thinks so. Ishik has an impact on people so much so that she has over 6 million followers on social media and her television programs air in 160 countries. Ishik, why are you so excited? How can't you be excited because I am receiving every day messages from the darkest places on the face of the earth telling me, uh, you know, this your programs did this in my life. And I was an abused woman, and uh, I thought that there was no hope for me. But now I have hope at the end of the tunnel. Or I am a woman abuser, and is there any hope for me? So receiving these uh, messages from these hungry people, precious people uh, that God created is so exciting for me. And uh, that's why I am every day filled with awe of what God is doing. Well, you grew up in Turkey in in a really devout Muslim family, and you wholeheartedly wanted to serve God, but the only God that you knew was Allah. Can you tell us about that? Sure. I, uh, in a short way, I describe it, you know, Paul had zeal for his God before Damascus, and he had zeal after Damascus. So I had so much zeal for God because I had a miserable life. I grew up in a very dysfunctional, abusive household, and I thought that uh, God, my creator, was the only answer. So the only God was presented was a Muslim God, Allah, in my land, and I turned to him wholeheartedly, that I wanted to find the answers. I needed him to touch me and my family and change my circumstances. Since you were serving Allah with your whole heart, I mean, you went, you went to the mosque for your studies, and you prayed, and you fasted, and you prayed five times a day. He answered all of your prayers and gave you peace, right? <laughs> Not at all. I never heard from him. I never knew that if he ever loved me or cared for me. I never knew that if there was anything called salvation or I could get to heaven other than being part of jihad or killing or dying in the name of, in his name. So there was no assurance of uh, anything because I didn't have a personal relationship with him. It was religion. It was all work, 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 and there was no relationship, there was no joy, but it was a fear-based, uh, oppression-based relationship, which there was no relationship, of course. You know, that's what really struck me from reading your book, um, I Dreamed Freedom, is the the fear in your life. There was, There's really no hope anywhere. Everywhere you turn to find peace, you never found it. And your home that you grew up in was unfortunately very abusive. Um, You know, a lot of people can relate to that. What was your home like? Well, my father was a successful businessman. We, I always say we had everything in comparison to Turkish economy. We were wealthy. He had ups and downs, but in general, we had a good life. But we didn't have peace, love, joy, anything in, in our house. My father was a womanizer. Uh, my mother used to have nervous breakdowns, and she used to become physically abusive towards me. And every day slamming the doors, breaking things, uh, insults, calling each other names. I mean, it was nonstop chaos and turmoil. And also I grew up in the years of civil war in Turkey. So every day gunshots, bombings. I mean, we had a 
terrorist training center next door, seeing guns and machine guns and everything going in and out. Uh, so I lived my life in fear. I wanted to be invisible. I had no voice. I was a little girl. Usually kids, they just know how to sur- They don't know how to survive. They just live through it. And then later on it comes to surface. Maybe someone is listening to me right now. And when you're a little kid, you are going through abuse, you're in a dysfunctional home, and every day is a chaos and fights and turmoil. You don't know how to deal with that. You just live through it. But the scars and the soul wounds can devastate you. Later in life, they will come to surface. And then you start asking, what's the matter? Why am I acting the way that I am acting? So at that time, I didn't know what was going on. I was used to being beaten up, kicked on the floors, uh, pulled by my, you know, my mother uh, through the hair. One day she had a nervous breakdown. She took scissors. I had long hair. I was four or five years old. She cut all my hairs from the roots. Mm, And then she came back to her senses because she just, you know, blacked out and she didn't remember what what happened to her. it, It would be always like that. Like my grandmother would run and she would say, you're going to kill her. And I am in complete bruises and physical wounds on the the outside. And my mom comes back to her senses and says, wow, what have I done? I'm so sorry. But it was always like that. I was that, that kid that everybody had to take their anger and on her, through her. So it was, it, it was pretty dark, my childhood years. But I, I will say, I mean, it sounds so sad, but God gave me my childhood after 40. So I just want to tell you, God is, a, 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 our God, Jesus Christ, is a God of restoration. So he gave me my childhood. This is why the joy that you see in me is my ch- childhood joy. <laughs> that he, dub- he gave me the double portion. <laughs> that's, so, that's so awesome. Well, because you had such a dark home, you really looked forward to falling in love and getting married and and really escaping your home is is part of your main motivation there. But you did find find love and you got married really young and how how did that end up? Well, just like you said, I was probably in love with being in love. Uh, in our culture, soap operas, are, uh, romance movies are a big deal. So everybody in the Muslim culture, every woman, uh, they they look, and even in the Western world too, they can be addicted to some of those things and they go to this fantasy life, dream life. So I started fantasizing as a young girl, you know, from the teenage years for that person to come and rescue me, that guy that I am madly in love, that he comes on a white horse and take me, pluck me out of this misery. So I was so much in love with being in love. I was ready, but I had to find someone with understanding about Islam and devout like me, believe it in jihad. So not every Muslim believes in it, but I, I was looking for that person. And when I got married, it was another um, another misery. I was a teenager when I got married, and before that, my uh, family wanted to do arranged marriage. It was one of the reasons I had to get married quickly to someone that I chose instead of they chose, and it didn't it didn't work better. And I start he started beating me up. Uh, almost every other day, being kicked on the floors, put a knife on my throat, if you leave me, I will kill you. Always uh, lived under a threat. Um, uh, it, it was just another nightmare. And at that time, I lost hope. And I really believed that I was not worthy to be loved. I, I didn't have any self-respect. I didn't have any self-worth. I think I was just, when I look back, I was just numb. I was just breathing and living it through, but I was in depression, of course. And you actually did um, try to seek help. You you went to the police, and what did the police tell you? Well, they told me one one night that he beat me up so badly, and uh, I was bleeding, and I had serious wounds. So I, in that shape, I went to the police station. And they said, look at these houses, look at these buildings, ma'am. We cannot take you in, you know, then we have to take all these women in. 
uh, they are all being beaten up. You know, you just need to behave better. You need to go home. What are you going to be a prostitute? What are you going to do away from your husband? Go back. So they sent me back home, and I went. I I just came back home. Wow. To to complete hopelessness. My family didn't know. Nobody knew about my circumstances because they don't talk about it. And that is another thing uh, that I learned. This is why I'm extremely transparent. Uh, during my TV programs with people, I tell them my life. Even right now, my Christian life. It, it, most of people, they talk about their past lives. No, I want to talk about my failures. Like Paul said, I delight in insults, persecution in my weaknesses. So I want people to know that I lived through that and I understand. If someone is listening right now and you have no one to speak you feel like you cannot uh, share it with anyone, your circumstance. That is a lie from the enemy. He wants you to keep it secret. You need to reach out. Yes, I reached out to the police. They, they didn't help me. Then I had to reach out to someone else. There were other sor- sources of help, not a lot, but I could do something. This is what I suggest to anyone going through, especially physical abuse, sexual abuse. You really need to seek out. If one didn't work, don't give up. Talk to someone. Open up your mouth. Don't be that voiceless victim. Be an overcomer. And and start seeking God. Jesus is a miracle worker. When you, when you feel like there's no way, he will make a way. And, and I, of course, I didn't know any of these things at that time. So I felt like I was stuck. But at that time, you had a really good job, and you had worked your way up, and were actually able to travel to Europe, where for the first time in your life, you'd seen women actually be tra- being treated well. Yes. How did you finally escape? Well, I, I had that job I, because I was working five times harder than men. I was trying to really prove myself. This is why I went to college because nobody cared. I was a girl. I was inferior to man. Nobody cared that I went to college. Just get married to someone. He will take care of you, and you will, you know, you will be abused and be stuck. And so one thing I think I did right was out of everything, I really invested in my education. And then that opened some doors because there were some Western, uh, westernized uh, Turkish companies. And one of them, hired me and I started climbing the career ladders, I was like, wow, I am smart because I was always told by my parents I was stupid. I was always told I was ugly. You are not good for anything. So that gave me a little hope that I can be someone outside of the box of my family or the society or my culture or, or my religion label me. I can get out of it. And through that or, uh, company, uh, I started traveling. I started seeing, when I was very little, I traveled too, but I didn't see anything much. So when I was traveling for that company, I was like in relation, work relationship, professional relationship with, with men and women and how they carry themselves, how much freedom they have and respect they have had for each other. That was like, wow to me. And, I mean, men were opening my door, car doors, or uh, anywhere I was going, or holding my chair. I, I didn't know this. I was treated less than, like, less than a dog, less than an animal. And that was, like, wow moments for me. And I started dreaming. Okay, I can, I can have a different life. Life, a lot of people right now may be listening you think that the life that you are living is the only life exists and it is far from the truth. God has amazing plans for your life. He has supernatural for your life, supernatural plans for your life. He can't just uh, pluck, uh, pluck you out of the circumstances. He can't just do that. So when you see something else, start dreaming, but don't stay just dreaming it. Praying and persevering and seeking answers. 
So uh, when I was working in that company, they opened up a, a U.S. Div- division. And because I was traveling so much, we had a guy who was in charge of passports. I just said in my heart, I'm going to try. I'm just going to give my passport to this guy and tell him uh, if he can get me a U.S. visa. And my position was very high, very, very high. I was like second in charge of, of a huge, huge, huge uh, company of 5,000 people who were in the campus working. So he didn't even question me. He went. We, I had to do a lot of paperwork. It took some time. But then he came back with my visa to, to America. And I was like, now I look back and I say, wow, that was, that was God. That was the true God. He had a plan for my life. Wow. So you actually were able to, through a miracle and through getting help from some people, you were actually able to get a divorce from your husband and escape and move to the United States. But once you were there, you thought everything was going to be perfect and you were going to be free now and everything was going to be great. But how did, how did it end up when you got here? Uh, I always say wherever you go, there you are, because you can change your external circumstances. It, that is the easiest one sometimes. But what about your inner being, your emotional state? So I was in prison. I came to America with, with a Muslim woman mentality, highly educated, but had no identity. I didn't have self-worth. I was in intense depression. And I told coming to America fix everything. What about I was beaten up on the floors I, from childhood? I was also, when I was a child, molested, sexually abused. So all these things, I disregarded them. I have a new life here. And it didn't work. It doesn't work that way. You can change your car, your house, your country, unless God comes and sets you free. When he comes and changes your inner person and removes your strongholds and bondages and chains, uh, you are still not free. And I was in my prison, and I was thinking, why I'm feeling this way? I need a husband because I cannot live without a man. I need to find a man to tell me what to eat, what to drink, what to do in my life. I mean, I have all these degrees. I have experience. I have I, I can start in, from the natural eyes, but in, inside of me is so chained that I am paralyzed without a man. I need a man. Even he beats me up or abuses me, I need a man. And then I ended up in another abusive relationship. Then it became a marriage. Uh, this time was a drug abuser, and I had a child from him. And another misery started with him. And it was it was just um, horrific because this time I was suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um, I would wake up every morning and I would say, I am alive again. I can't believe I am alive. I think I was too afraid to kill myself because in Islam... Uh, I believe that if I kill myself, I will go to hell immediately. So that was probably the only reason. And then another, of course, major reason, because later on I had a child, and I knew that she was the reason for me to live. But I was just more numb, not feeling anything. And and then it ended up, uh, that marriage ended up, he threw me from... He stopped the car and threw me from a car when he was high and drunk on highway. Uh, and my journey to hitting the rock bottom started. Well, while you were in rock bottom, the Lord miraculously gave you a job at a Christian company. And I love this story because here you are, you're a Muslim, you're completely at your end, and you get hired, and they say, well, we've got this Bible study if you'd like to come to it. And you say, being the people pleaser that you are, you said, yes, I'll be there. So tell me what happened at the Bible study. Yes. So I left I left my husband from that night on, and then one Christian lady picked me up on highway, took me another Christian lady's house, and I have no clue about the, all these people are Christian. 
And then I, uh, and that lady told me, you can bring your daughter. You know, this place is safer for you. And then I, I did. I started looking for a job, and this Christian company hired me. And I didn't tell them. I look very Western at that time, too. I always look, you know, Western. I didn't look, never look, like, covered up or anything. So they just hired me. But they didn't ask my faith, nothing. And I'm thinking these people are infidels. They worship three gods. But I need this job. I need, I'm a single mother right now. And I need, I need this job. And it was a very good job. So uh, they said, my boss said, every morning we have a Bible study. It is optional. Would you like to go to that Bible study? In my heart, I said, okay, I will go to police him because I don't want to lose my job. So before that Bible study, I would pray to Allah and say, Allah, I'm going to that Bible study. They are infidels. They are going to go to hell. I will never become a Christian. Please don't get angry at me. So I would pray like that literally every day before the Bible study. But every Bible study was amazing. And I started falling in love with Jesus. Uh, my first Bible study, as a matter of fact, was adulterous woman. Uh, Jesus did not condemn her, but gave her another chance. So, I mean, God was really piercing my heart every day. I was like in tears. Uh, all these Jesus stories and parables and miracles. and But I couldn't give my heart to Jesus. My boss was witnessing to me. And he was a very real person. He was, I say, he was a real deal. Uh, with his imperfections, very transparent, not trying to look perfect or put everything all together. Real person and always talk to me about Jesus. And I would say, I believe in Jesus. He's a prophet. And he would tell me, no, he's more than a prophet. So, but I couldn't give my heart to Jesus. For a Muslim to become a Christian, you have to give up everything. You have to uh, forsake your family, your culture, your country. It's almost like you are a treacherous, betraying person. I mean, nothing worse than that in our culture. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out what happened the day that you planned to kill yourself because life still hadn't gotten any better and you had had enough. But first, before we talk about that, I want to make available to you Ishik's book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her three CDs where she literally imparts her passion and freedom and joy to you. Your faith will literally skyrocket. And you will start to move and act on the things that God has put in your heart to do. We'll be right back. Ishik Abla was raised a Muslim and grew up in a religion which considers women laughing as being evil. She suffered the emotional and physical abuse, as well as serving a God who is angry and vengeful. Today, as a believer in Jesus, her ministry is reaching millions worldwide, sharing how to walk in the supernatural of God every day and receive all of His promises and blessings for your life. There is no limitation what God can do for you or set you free and give you a new start. The only limit is you. Call now and get Ishik Abla's powerful book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching, A Lifestyle of Joy and the Impossible. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9520. Through Ishik Abla's powerful testimony book, I Dreamed Freedom, you will realize that no matter how bad your past has been, whether it has been dominated by sin, wrong choices, emotional or physical abuse, woundedness, bad circumstances, wrong personal choices. All of this can be overcome through the blood of Jesus and through belief in Jesus as your Messiah and Lord. I wrote this book to tell people, despite of what you go through, your trials, your tragedies, everything, God can give you His supernatural joy. And that joy comes when you receive freedom in Christ Jesus. When you start looking at God, not your circumstances, not your past, but looking at the healer and restorer and redeemer. Through Ishik Abla's anointed three-part audio CD teaching, A Lifestyle of Joy and the Impossible, you will understand how to receive God's fire and a renewed passion for the things of God. Never be a victim again. Learn how to maintain the fire of God 
in your life. Find out how you can experience deliverance, healing, and miracles like those that we read about in the New Testament. Develop a transformed mind. Obtain victory over negativity and doubt, which are robbing you from accessing all the blessings and promises of God in your life. Receive the joy of the Lord impartation. Understand that there is no limit to what God can do in and through your life. Whenever I speak, I give my testimony without praying over people. Imagine. And or people read my book, they get healed. I heard people's tumors fell off just by me giving my testimony. People are coming out of depression or insomnia or suicidal thoughts or all kinds of diseases, arthritis, diabetics, just being healed by hearing or reading my testimony. Are you ready for a lifestyle of joy, supernatural joy? Are you ready for a lifestyle of nothing is impossible? It's no longer going to be a dream for you. It's going to be reality. Don't miss out on getting Ishikabla's powerful book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching a lifestyle of joy and the impossible. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9520. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9520 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Welcome back to Messianic Vision. We're here with Ishik Abla. And Ishik, no matter how hard you tried to please Allah, you never had any peace. You were always in fear and depression. But And you went from one abusive relationship to another. And one morning, was mo it was more than you can take. What happened that day? Well, I woke up and I was hearing this voice in my head. Life is not worth living. It's not going to be better. You are a failure. You are a loser. I kept hearing that voice. I always tell people, faith comes through hearing, hearing the word of God, but faith comes through hearing, period. So you need to watch what you hear. What you tell yourself, maybe enemy is telling you that. So I just want to speak to someone right now. If you listen so much that you are not good enough for anything, it became, it becomes echoing in your mind. And you start believing in that lie because faith comes through hearing. So you are hearing that lie about your life, that your life will never be better. There's no hope for you. This is why people commit suicide. That hopelessness, that mourning entered into me that hopelessness. There's no hope for you. Tomorrow is not going to be a better day. There's no way you can make in this life. You fail. Accept it and go kill yourself. That will be easy and it will end your pain. And that, that inner voice started telling me, now I know that it was the devil's voice, of course. That voice was telling me, anybody can be a better mother to your daughter. Look at you. She will be, she will be better without you. And I took her to daycare. She was around close to three years old. And I left her there and I went to work. I sat down. I started just planning my suicide. I started planning something that would look like an accident so my daughter wouldn't think that I ever kill myself. I mean, it, it was very serious when I l look back to that day very serious. So I went to the restroom. I started just crying hysterically, crying and crying. I started having this uh, fit with God. I didn't know at the time which, which God I was speaking. I was just, maybe first time in my life I was talking to, in my own language, not Arabic, not from the Quran, praying from the Quran. I was like, why do you hate me so much? You see, I had no problem of existence of God, but the God that I knew was hateful, angry. He was out there to get me. And sometimes, I just want to warn someone right now, sometimes Christian people believe in a, a hateful, angry God. They believe in a in a Muslim God. And I tell them, this is, this is not the true God that you are believing. This is not our God. It's not the God of the Bible. So I just want to warn someone right now, God is not out there to get you. He's not out there to punish you. 
he's merciful. He wants to save you. So that morning I started telling him, why you hate me so much? What have I done so bad to deserve this? And I started just talking, and I started knocking on the counter in the bathroom, ladies' bathroom. And are you going, here I am knocking. I didn't even know that it was in the scripture, you know, ask, seek, knock. I, I, here I am knocking. Are you going to open or are you going to feed me to the wolves? I don't know what I was saying, but I was saying a lot of things like that, things like that. And I was having a disclosure with, with God. And then I cleaned my face and I went back to my seat, far away from the bathroom. Uh, and then my boss called me to his office. He said, uh, Please come, I need to speak with you. And in my heart, I said, okay, he's going to fire me. You know, he knows about my restroom visits. He probably, I left my station, workstation for a long time. Now he's going to fire me. You see, when you have everything negative, you, you are so, I was so brainwashed uh, for pessimism. Everything, if somebody told me, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, what have I done? Always with this guilty conscience. And I know there are people out there like that. Everything. I mean, you have little, something little, maybe your underarm pit or something, and you immediately think, is it a cancer? You know, immediately the worst thing. And I just want you guys to be like so much aware of the enemy's voice versus God's voice. So the first thing, we are so like, because we have a sinful nature, it is against not us. We live in a cursed world, which is against us, and we have an enemy. And I call him negative whisper, lying whisper. So these three things are against us. Then it takes our salvation is not of works. We are saved by grace. But then it takes effort to take ourselves to the other side of living in continuous hope in Jesus Christ. And I did that work, and it's another study. So that can bring you complete. It's not a positive thinking, new age thing. But this is always living in hope and trusting God and having faith on the side of God is merciful, and he will have something greater for you. So I didn't have any of these things. I thought, okay, he's going to fire me. I ran to his office. He said, please close the door, have a seat. I did. He said to me, I know this is going to sound very weird to you. I have never done this before. And I want everybody to know this was not a charismatic guy. He was not going to a, you know, prophetical church. He was a very conservative Christian. So it is so remarkable for me. Maybe in his life, first time he did something like that. And he said, this is why it was a God moment. So he said, I just... I know that it's going to sound weird to you, but I have to be obedient. My Lord Jesus just told me he knows about your plans, like killing yourself. My Lord Jesus just told me he heard your prayer in the restroom. You are not forsaken nor abandoned. He wants me to tell you he's not forsaken you. He's not abandoning you. He loves you so much. He died on the cross for you. If anybody is listening right now, Please, this this was not only for me. This is for you. And he said, he wants me to ask you right now. You want to invite Jesus into your heart? You want to make him the Lord of your life? You want to make him the center of your life? Because he said, I, I, Jesus wants me to tell you, you, when you were little, when you were abused, and this man didn't know any of these things, Jesus was by your side. He was interceding for you that one day you would turn to him. He was always there for you. He loved you. you he wants to be the center of your life. And revelation of God is presence of God. So when he was giving me that revelation, that word, I, I knew Jesus Christ was in that room. It was, God's presence was so heavy. It was undeniable. I met Jesus at that moment. This is why I, I had never had any doubt on my faith because I experienced, I had an encounter with God. Jesus was there. He was hugging me because I was on the floor crying and saying, yes, yes, yes. And I was weeping on the floor. 
and I felt Jesus was hugging me. And I felt like literally tangible presence of God in that room. And tons of weight were lifted off my shoulders. And this suicidal woman instantly, like in a, less than a split second, became the most joyful person. How can you explain that? I wanted to run on the streets and hug and kiss everybody. And I was one of the most hateful people on the face of the earth. There was such a visible and tangible change in you that when you went to pick your daughter up from preschool that day, the teacher looked at you strange like you weren't even the same woman. I love that. You were so excited about what God did that you just couldn't wait to tell your friends and your loved ones. What happened when you started sharing your story? Oh, it backfired on me. So I was like, I, I received the Lord. I didn't know. Any, I didn't have any Bible knowledge. I didn't have any doctrine, theology. I was so messed up in a lot of ways of thinking still. But I had that experience. So I started going everywhere, telling about Jesus. I mean, I had this big smile on my face, and still I do. And I would just go and tell people. And I started going to my Muslim friends. And a lot of them abandoned me, like all of them except one, uh, abandoned me. And they spit on my face. They just cursed me. A lot of things happened. But there were like few that they were... Trying to reason with me, maybe they were thinking that they didn't know Koran because Koran says once you are out, you are out. You, there's no coming back. So they were trying to reason with me that I was brainwashed and I was going to hell. And I was one day, especially I couldn't reason with them. I had no. I told in my heart, I have no Bible knowledge. I I don't know how to articulate this. All I said was, I was blind. Now I see. And it didn't make any sense to them. So I came home so devastated, so discouraged. I was just crying and feeling like a failure. I failed God. I couldn't witness to them. And I just want to tell you this. It is, somebody may be listening. One of that ladies that attacked me uh, that night, before I go to any further in the testimony, after 15 years, two, two years ago, she, I was speaking at a church in a different state. She came forward to the altar. I mean, I didn't see her for 15 years. She came to, when I make an altar call, and I recognize her, she said, do you recognize me? Yes. And in front of everybody taking the microphone, she gave her life to Jesus. Oh, my goodness. After 15 years. So I just want to tell someone, I even stopped praying for it, but I did pray. Your prayers never die. If you pray one time for someone, still your prayers live. And I prayed for her for a long time, but then I stopped praying for her. And after 15 years, I'm speaking at a big woman's conference. I made an altar call, not even for salvation. And she came, she walked, she was in the line of hundreds of people. And I, when I saw her eyes just scream, she screamed, we hugged each other, we cried. And she said, now I am ready. That's incredible. So, that's incredible. So that night I went home and I was so devastated and I'm crying. And I went, I, I like kind of in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I need a sign. I really need something. In my heart, maybe I wasn't articulating, but I needed, I needed help. And then I went to bed and... I think I woke up in the middle of the night or I really was like that like God was in that room and I was laying in a dark dark room and I saw this light on the wall and it was a huge cross of light and then the presence of God filled that room it was so heavy it was even heavier than my salvation experience, that my heart started just racing. It, my heart started beating so hard. I was filled with fear. I was terrified with the presence of God. It was not a scary, terrifying, but I was like, holy God is in this room right now. And, and he gave me an amazing, amazing encouragement. 
almost like with an inner voice, he started speaking to me and telling me, that's okay, that's okay. I am going to use you still. It's not about your knowledge, and which later on I studied the Bible and everything, but I am going to use you, and I am real in your life. Ishik, we are making available to our listeners your book, I Dreamed Freedom. Why did you write this book? I wrote this book because I wanted people to know that Jesus Christ is real. He's a living redeemer. He is he takes our trash and turns into a treasure into treasure. He takes our mess turns into a message and it is not only for me, it is for everybody. There is hope for everyone and there is always hope as long as you are breathing. And when you think that Something is impossible. He is the God of impossibles, turning those impossibles into possibilities. So this is why I wrote this book, to encourage and let people know about the goodness and the realness and the supernatural power of God. Well, we are making available I Dreamed Freedom, this incredible resource, and her three-CD set where she literally imparts her passion to you. You are going to want to get this. If you need a breakthrough, then you are going to want to stay with us because when we come back, Ishik is going to pray for you. Ishik Abla was raised a Muslim and grew up in a religion which considers women laughing as being evil. She suffered the emotional and physical abuse as well as serving a God who is angry and vengeful. Today as a believer in Jesus, her ministry is reaching millions worldwide, sharing how to walk in the supernatural of God every day and receive all of His promises and blessings for your life. There is no limitation what God can do for you or set you free and give you a new start. The only limit is you. Call now and get Ishikabla's powerful book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching, A Lifestyle of Joy and the Impossible. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9520. Through Ishikabla's powerful testimony book, I Dreamed Freedom, you will realize that no matter how bad your past has been, whether it has been dominated by sin, wrong choices, emotional or physical abuse, woundedness, bad circumstances, wrong personal choices. All of this can be overcome through the blood of Jesus and through belief in Jesus as your Messiah and Lord. I wrote this book to tell people, despite of what you go through, your trials, your tragedies, everything, God can give you His supernatural joy. And that joy comes when you receive freedom in Christ Jesus. When you start looking at God, not your circumstances, not your past, but looking at the healer and restorer and redeemer. Through Ishikabla's anointed three-part audio CD teaching, A Lifestyle of Joy and the Impossible, you will understand how to receive God's fire and a renewed passion for the things of God. Never be a victim again. Learn how to maintain the fire of God in your life. Find out how you can experience deliverance, healing, and miracles like those that we read about in the New Testament. Develop a transformed mind. Obtain victory over negativity and doubt, which are robbing you from accessing all the blessings and promises of God in your life. Receive the joy of the Lord impartation. Understand that there is no limit to what God can do in and through your life. Whenever I speak, I give my testimony without praying over people. Imagine. And or people read my book, they get healed. I heard people's tumors fell off just by me giving my testimony. People are coming out of depression or insomnia or suicidal thoughts or all kinds of diseases, arthritis, diabetics, just being healed by hearing or reading my testimony. Are you ready for a lifestyle of joy, supernatural joy? Are you ready for a lifestyle of nothing is impossible? It's no longer going to be a dream for you. It's going to be reality. Don't miss out on getting Ishikabla's powerful book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her anointed three-part audio CD teaching, A Lifestyle of Joy and the Impossible. This is an exclusive offer for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9520. Call or you can send your check to Sid Roth. It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify 
by offer number 9520 or log on to sidroth.org. Call or write today. Welcome back to Messianic Vision. We're here chatting with Ishak Abla. Now, Ishak, you have overcome so much, and now you truly have success and joy and the peace that you always longed for. One of your sayings is that God's vision comes with divine provision, and you've been successful not only in business as a CEO, but also in your ministry, and now you're reaching Muslims all over the world for Jesus. Share with us some of your secrets for fulfilling your dreams. Um, I have I have dreams. I had dreams. Some of them are fulfilled, and some of them are, uh, some of them are uh, waiting. But I can tell you this: that um, it has to be God's dreams. So, in the core of everything in our Christian life, it comes down to one thing: it has to be God's will, and our motivation has to be God has to be glorified. I, that is the core of everything. When I have a dream, I ask, Lord, is this dream from you? It has to be glorifying you, not me. So that is, I think, the secret of fulfilling our dreams or having success. Because success of Christian life is sac- different than the success of the world. That's right. Sometimes living a sacrificial life and living it well, the sacrificial life of suffering, is a success. Just like Apostle Paul, just like Elijah, they suffered, but they were successful in their Christian walk. So we need to change our perspective here a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, I find it uh, two things that always be faithful where you are and be grateful. That, is, that, is, that has been like my life motto. If this is what I have in front of me, maybe I'm speaking to a mother right now and you are homeschooling two children at home and you have dreams. But this is what you have in front of you right now. Be faithful and be grateful. That, that, those two things are magnets for God's miracles and supernatural power. Wherever you are, you are working in a maybe secular work. You are a secretary. Be faithful and grateful. So if that, that, you know what is actually, that is the uh, motivation and the condition of your attitude of your heart. So once your attitude is programmed like that, which mine is, and when it tries to drift away, I bring it back and I bring alignment. I am very purposeful. So am I faithful? Am I grateful? And this is part of my joy because a grateful heart is a joyful heart. So I find every single day, I work on it to find things to be grateful and thank God for. People people work with me or live with me, my family, they can tell you one thing about me. I'm very thankful every day, very grateful. So I think those things, of course, hard work works. Of course, um, you know, you have to be purposeful and you have to have goals. But I think attitude of our hearts determines if we are going to be successful in life. Well, Ishak, you really walk in the supernatural and you see miracles all the time. And this actually started shortly after your surrender to the Lord. And one night you woke up in the middle of the night because there was three Muslim women banging on your door. What happened? Yes. Well, they they just needed, they didn't want Jesus, but they wanted Jesus' miracles. So they were banging on the door and one of them were, I mean, they were just carrying, dragging this lady that she was in crucial pain on her back. And they they were in devastated. They have no hope elsewhere, no doctors, no insurance, nothing. And I woke up and I was like, okay. I just, I'm just going to pray since they have nothing. And I, I have to confess, I woke up, I didn't even check if I had faith. I didn't, I just trust the Lord. I'm just going to f- pray. This is what I have in front of me. And, I'm, and I prayed a very simple prayer, like, dear Lord Jesus, please heal her. And instantly this woman got healed. They were just in shock. They were just screaming and uh, laughing and praising God. It it was just amazing, and and I was in amazement too because it was not a big prayer. It was not a eloquent prayer. It was very simple, one single sentence, and God showed up. 
I would imagine that you were in just as much shock as they were. <laughs> and it, it was around, around that time, a preacher who had heard about you invited you over to his house. What happened? And so you came over to the stranger's house. What happened when you entered the house? I first of all, I drew uh, drew five hours without gas in my gas tank. Well, what do you mean? Uh, yes, that was first supernatural because um, I was a new believer. I had no job. I I was looking for a job. I was a single mother. I had a car, old old car, in front of my uh, apartment building, and I had no gas in it. I was walking everywhere to apply for jobs. I didn't have money to buy gas. So this guy calls me and he says, you get into your car, I'm going to pray, and you're going to make it here. And God is going to show you. Because I didn't know so much about the supernatural of God, other than the encounters I had. I was not going to a church that was embracing uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit or other move of God. So, uh, But he, this guy, his voice was so powerful on the on the phone. He said, "My wife and I want to invite you to come spend a weekend with your little girl. We have girls, too, little girls too, and they can play, and we will bless you." I said, "You are like four or five hours away. I have no gas in my car." He said, "You get into that car, and I'm gonna pray now that you're gonna make it here." And God is faithful. He said, "He's gonna make you come here. I believe it's of the Lord that you should be here." And I don't know, I didn't have faith, but I trusted in his faith. So I got into the car. I mean, it is like all the way, the the light is on, and I'm, I cannot move this car. Like, it, it cannot go next 15 minutes. And I started driving, because he said, wherever you are, if you get stuck, I'm going to come and help you. So, And I know that you won't get stuck, but I am telling you, because you don't have enough faith. <laughs> I was like... Wow. So I got into the car. Car started. I said, okay, well, I'm going to drive this car until where it stops. And I drew all the way to his house. And I mean, the more I drew, the more faith I got. Oh, wow. And my daughter was in the back seat, and it was like pouring rain at night. And we made it there. And as soon as I went into the house, this man fell on his face to the floor, started speaking in tongues. And his tongues came to me in my mother tongue, Turkish. I understood everything he said. He was confessing my sins because at that time, one of my food was in the church, the other one was in the world, and I had I had serious sin in my life. And it was not every day, but I was like, you know, I was in a sin. And... And now I know when I look back, it was a compromise. Mm -hmm. So he started saying my secret, secret sin to God, confessing it, interceding for me. And I was understanding him. I was in shock. First of all, before, I never heard anybody spoke in tongues. Never. And I was not going to a place that was embracing tongues. So I was like so pale. I I I passed out. I was I was like half fainted on the floor. Oh, he spoke in tongues. It came to me in Turkish, but he stood up after he finished, and he looked at me straight in the eye and pointed his finger at me and he said, "Sister, I don't know what I said, but you know what I said. Take it seriously. God has plans for your life." And then I was like, "Wow!" I was so faint-hearted. And and that that was a turning point in my walk with with Jesus. And you were filled with the Spirit that weekend, and you've never looked back, right? Well, I I got filled with the Holy Spirit little after that. I tried too hard to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and it didn't work. And he he was there, this guy, this preacher, and his wife. They gave me Bible studies. My mind completely changed, and soon after that moment, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's funny. That's the way it was for me too. Um, really? I tried too hard. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I mean, I'm just hearing. I, one day I said, I'm going to anoint myself like the, uh, Samuel anointed David, and I bought a huge bottle of olive oil. And I went inside the bathtub, and I poured it on my head. 
<laughs> to be filled with Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I just had to do a big cleanup afterwards. <laughs> Nothing happened. And then one day, I went to another church. It was full of the Holy Spirit. And pastor made an altar call who wants to fill with the Holy Spirit. I just threw myself to the altar before he, he finished his sentence. And I got filled right there. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well... Ishak, you are on fire for the Lord, and you are facing a really, you're facing a giant of Islam, and many of us are facing warfare and tests and trials. How is it that you are able to stay so on fire for the Lord with all that you're challenged with? Well, um, I always remember, this is like a key verse for me, Paul told Timothy, fan fan into flames, fan that fire into flames. So that tells me that fanning your fire into flames is a work, is work. So it is it is Christian life is like you get saved and you don't you don't just be a laid back, mediocre Christian. You get up and you fight. And God has given us every tool because I understand and my fight is not against flesh and blood. I understand that there's a there is a spiritual realm behind the flesh, behind Islam, the spirit of Antichrist. I, I am so quick to recognize what I am fighting against. I always tell people, if you want to have full-on fire, successful Christian life, you need to know your God, you need to know your identity, and you need to know your enemy. So I know my enemy. I know my God. I, I know my identity right now. I thank God, but I know my enemy. And I don't fight with my enemy with earthly weapons. Every morning I wake up, I am purposeful in my prayer life. I am purposeful with my scriptures. Sometimes people may say, oh, isn't it boring every day you quote the same scriptures? I, 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 I come up with new prayers, but I have scriptures that I proclaim every single morning. I declare, I fan that into flames, that fire. I, I, every day I pray. Kindle a fire in me, God. Kindle a fire in me, and I take it from there. But it is a work. It is a decision. It is perseverance. It, it is living a purposeful life for Jesus Christ. Now, Ishak, many of us have friends and family or maybe coworkers that are Muslim. How should we share Jesus with them? Um. I don't know if St. Augustine says this, said this, but uh, there's a saying, preach the gospel at all times, but sometimes use words. So we think that we always have to preach people with words, but words are very a small part of our witnessing. We need to show love of Jesus Christ to them. Muslims are moved by two things, uh, miracles of God and love of God. So if anybody has a Muslim friend or neighbor, you know, use very little words, but show a lot of kindness. If they are in this uh, distress, pray for a miracle for them. I have seen a lot of miracles in the Muslim world, more than ever in the Western world, because God, God honors those prayers. He's glorified through his miracles and supernatural power. Uh, resting upon Muslims. And a lot of Muslims come to Christ through dream, dreams and visions and miracles. So I think our prayer life and leading of the Holy Spirit play a huge, huge part in our witnessing. Ishak, many people that are listening right now are facing a lot of trials. Would you pray for them? Absolutely. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you right now, if you are going to a trial, God is faithful. He hasn't abandoned you nor forsake you. He is with you. Who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So you are not missing anything. You may be in your late 60s or 70s. You say, I miss life. I wasted. And I'm still struggling with it. Today may be the day I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. He break that cycle. He break that bondage. So I pray that God will encourage and strengthen your inner man with his Holy Spirit. And you will be full of his Holy Spirit. And you will fix your eyes 
on the perfecter and the author and the perfecter of your faith, that you will look up and you will say, my Redeemer lives. And you believe in God's word. We don't only pray, but we receive God's word. That you are more than a conqueror. No weapon that forms against you shall prosper. That every tongue that rises up in accusation you shall condemn. Who lives in you is greater than who is in the world. And you take God's word and you proclaim it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I cover you with blood of Jesus Christ right now. I put a bloodline of Jesus Christ between you and the enemy, between your family and the enemy. I put walls of fire around you right now that you will be protected and guarded. Even though you, you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because God is with you. And his mercies and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And you will do in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. I know that God has done so many miracles today. And if you're one of those who were touched today, please write us at sidroth.org and let us know what God did in your life. Now, friends, you are going to want to get Ishak Abla's book, I Dreamed Freedom, and her three CD set. It is powerful and it will touch you and strengthen you right where you're at. Reach out to us and get that. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Messianic Vision. I'm Tina Pugh, and here's back to Sid. Ishik Ablas is living a life of freedom and joy that many only dream of. Now she wants to help you get there, too. Her book shares her fascinating story, and in the three CDs, she comes alongside you and shows that through a relationship with God, nothing is impossible. Ishik Abla's book, I Dreamed Freedom, along with her three-CD set, Nothing is Impossible, offer number 9520 for an investment of $35. U.S. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. Once again, that's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Be sure to ask for offer number 9520. Once again, that's offer number 9520.